Signs of the Southland, Sunday, February 20th, 2022. Mr. Grant, seems like we have a very large slate to cover today, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, I think uh, we just need to dive right in because otherwise we're going to be here until uh, well after sundown. So, Well, sundown's only in another 45 minutes, so let's, uh, let's race the sun, shall we? Let's start... Uh, on the club sports circuit with the hockey team. They were, I guess, self-proclaimed ACC champs after beating Clemson last weekend. I think that game was right around the time we were recording. Uh, so we didn't have a result in hand just then. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they won it in overtime too. Um, so congrats to them. Not really sure um, who else is in the ACC of the South, I think was how they worded it, like ACC South champs or Something like that. I, I think it, it's just a, I think it's one of those things where it's just a three team trophy situation ah. with FSU, Clemson, and and Tech being in that division uh, as the ACC representatives. Because that we talked about this last week. That entire conference is a bunch of SEC teams, Kennesaw, and then I think UA Huntsville, Lynn, and then. Tampa something. Maybe. Yeah. It, it's like a bunch. It, it was originally an SEC, like fully SEC. And then they added bits and pieces from other regional, uh, regional clubs. But uh, I mean, I like claiming random trophies. So I will, I will put this up on the board. We'll make a banner for it. It'll be great. Um, moving on to other trophy games, soccer played Athens, but you said that they didn't have results up when you last checked. Yeah, I checked Twitter and Instagram, and uh, yeah, I uh, I saw the announcements for the games, but don't really know how to find the results. So, uh, yeah, fun times. Big, big shrug. Let's head over to men's lacrosse. They dispatched Vandy very handily uh, by eight goals and then put a nine-goal pasting on James Madison. They're back to being a, being a championship-level ball club, huh? Yeah. Um, I mean, they, I don't think they ever really fell off. If, if we're talking about, I think we talk about, Oh, what's tech's most consistent program a a lot, or at least allude to it. And I mean, I I get this is outside of the varsity world, but I think it would have to be them or, or some, some, something close to that. You know, I'm surprised that you didn't shoehorn swim club in there, but that's besides the, besides the point. (laughs) We can talk about my hot takes about them probably not coming close to a national championship this year some other time. But uh, lacrosse is just as just as strong as ever. It's looking like. Uh, speaking of the other lacrosse team, the women's lacrosse team, they did not post results from their last couple of games. So kind of in the kind of in the weeds on that one, huh? Yeah, I uh, don't really know what's up there. Uh, there was a post about like playing well, but I didn't see any scores. So, oops. Cool. That rounds up the club sports circuit. Let's round both diamonds on campus real quick. Softball went to Mississippi State this past weekend. They finished up today. Uh, they went three and two on the weekend. They beat Mississippi State, the host once, Southern Illinois, was it Southern Illinois? Southern Illinois twice. Lost to Central Arkansas. We'll get to that in a moment. And then got run ruled in their first game versus Mississippi State. So give me your initial impressions of how this three and two weekend went. 
I mean, I think the goal was to go at least three and two or better. Uh, but I definitely had that Mississippi State both games penciled in as like the toss up loss games. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it was a little bit uh, of a, a jarring start to the weekend losing to, to Central Arkansas. But um, I will say uh, in terms of bouncing back to to make the most of it, obviously that the Mississippi State run rule game was a bit tough. Uh, we can we can talk specifics about that in a sec. But but overall, um, they they took care of business against uh, Southern Illinois, uh, and then today's game was great. Um, classic Nellman outing. They got runs when they needed to uh, by having a great eye for the zone, even on a day when. And this is the only game I was able to catch the stream for. There was a couple uh, of high leverage calls uh, that probably could have gone for gone for walks, if you will. Um, where umpire was having one. He was he was on one today. Uh, Kauf looked uh, a little bit uh, taken aback by one call in particular that he called a, uh, a strike and it was wide outside the zone and uh, low down. So not really sure what the ump saw there, but I mean, obviously tech tech did a great job of honestly taking pitches uh, and, and waiting for, waiting for, uh, you know, a good pitch to get the, the, the ball around uh, or the bat around uh, and they chased uh they chased the pitcher relatively early because they have really great, uh, really great vision there. And I think that uh, always allows you to kind of take more advantage and put on insurance runs and, you know, Mississippi state got one late, but um, you know, when you're, when you're tacking on one or two an inning in the late innings, that's, that's exactly what you want to see, especially against, you know, power five opponent. That's, that's going to be kind of how they win games. And, and I think, uh, you know, maybe the bats will play more of a factor here at some point. I don't think, uh, I don't think four one is is the limit of their potential even against a good team. Yeah, I, I think the situation here today specifically was that it was a really intense pitchers duel until yeah. right around the fourth or the fifth inning, where Tech was able to put a couple runners on, and then things got shaky for Mississippi State and, and their starting pitcher. Um, Tech put on a couple runs; they they were able to drive in a couple, and then. Mississippi State pulls their pulls their starter for a pitcher that had a 10.45 ERA, which not sure that's all that great, but surely maybe not the person you want to put in that situation, even despite the sample size. Uh, it was it was an interesting scenario for for a lot of the game, and and for a while it, it was zooming like th- this game. I think took like. I think we zoomed through like five innings in about an hour. Yeah, it was it was going real fast. We had a couple of ten pitch innings, so it was a really really well pitched game, um, which contributes to sort of the whole offensive or lack of offensive firepower. Uh, just to double back to some of the other games of the weekend uh, and, and review those real quick. You already touched on the Central Arkansas result uh, and what that means a little bit, but I, it's not. It's not a great result at, at all, especially considering the caliber of opponent. Um, Nellman just got herself in a really bad spot. She put a couple runners on, had a couple errors in an inning, um, ended up with the bases loaded and just got grand slammed. The just really unfortunate, unlucky situation in that fifth inning versus Central Arkansas. But she, like you said, she, she was able to bounce back today and put together a really, really good outing reminiscent of something that we saw uh, on opening uh, motorcycle. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're right. Terrible. 
I was pulling up this, uh, the NCAA uh, softball results, so that way we could talk a little bit about the rest of uh, what this means in particular. But NCAA attacked me with an ad, so that was nice. I keep telling you to use an ad blocker, and you never listen to me. <sighs> I, uh, Moving through. I never listen to Akshay. That, That's I'll very true. That. Moving right along, the first Mississippi State game was kind of just a meltdown on the mound from cover to cover. Chandler Dennis had a really rough day to start it off. I think she had she gave up three hits. She's able to get out of the inning, but it was three hits, three runs. Um, let me actually make sure I have that straight. Yeah, three hits, three runs, all three earned, a walk, a wild pitch, all in six at bats and seven batters faced. Not not super ideal not a great second outing or second or third outing for her in a tech uniform um but she did have a really good start versus southern illinois uh and was able to put it together a really good game there so all in all my opinion on this weekend is kind of just a big shrug like i don't really know what to make of it beyond the pitching seems to be the issue Again, but again, all of these are small sample size items. You have to get 10 or, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 games into the season before you can really start to make sweeping generalizations about, uh, about a team. So, yep, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I agree. Uh, I, th- I think uh, we, we need more time. Obviously, Central Arkansas, not a great result. Um, I, honestly, I was obviously you don't want to see uh a a lot of runs given up but i was more interested in the fact that our 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 bats didn't really come alive i mean against a lot of you know mid and low majors you'd think uh tech hitters would feast on that but like i said or like you said sorry um this week is going to give us a a lot of uh eight games this is one of this week this is one of the busiest game weeks i've ever seen for a georgia tech sport like it's ridiculous. Like you said, it's an eight game week with most of those. I think all of those at home, yep. right? Oh no. The, the Penn state one is up at Penn state. I think. No, 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 no. They're all down here. I 75 challenge. I oh, well, All of them at home. So rattling it's them off. to be in state college this time of year. <laughs> um, what, what I was going to say, I think it's worth noting. Um, we, we have Furman and Georgia states. So we're doubling up on the midweeks as well. Uh, Penn State's the gem of the weekend. Uh, those are both going to be on Friday, 2 p.m. and 4.30 against them. Oh, those uh, on TV. ACC Network Extra. Uh, ACC okay. Network for the Georgia State game, 3 p.m. on Wednesday. So It's a good uh, one to have on right at the end of the workday. If you find if you find yourself – well, end of the workday, I, I still got three hours left of mine when that rolls around. Yeah, it's near the end of the workday. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, Penn State, that's going to be the, the, the tell of the weekend. Uh, but also Jacksonville State, don't sleep on that doubleheader on Sunday. Um, it is Sunday. It's the end of a long week. And uh, we have been known to uh, drop a game to Jacksonville State or two in the past. So uh, don't, don't look past the uh, Gamecocks there. Uh, in terms- if I remember correctly, they also had a bit of a howler versus ETSU last year. Um, so ETSU last year, I think. Directional Tennessees, they all fall into the same box, personally. Because that was a wacky yeah. first game, and then there was, like, two cancels, can, cancellation yeah. thing, and then they, they were, like, looking for games. It was it was odd. It was odd. They just drove up to Tennessee one week – or in the middle of the week one week, and we're like, mm-hmm. okay, we're playing we're playing this team now. It was, it was interesting. But, yeah, that one's also, I guess, one to 
you know, just third screen, like scroll on your phone, keep keep that one in your mind, I guess, uh, just to see if they built on built on last year. Yeah, um, I think uh, we, we can just really quick high level um, round out the softball talk, talking about the rest of the ACC, given that it is a big weekend for softball with the St. Pete Clearwater Elite invite. Uh, obviously, that's probably the premier um early season, uh, early season place to be uh, for a lot of teams uh, in terms of ACC teams that were there. Uh, we'll start with Thursday's action. Uh, Notre Dame fell to number 15, Tennessee, Notre Dame having a quietly very excellent year last year for themselves. Um, they followed that up with another loss, uh, a two one at the hands of Wisconsin, uh, while also Clemson beat Texas tech eight, nothing and number five, Florida state, uh, turned around and beat Tennessee nine, to three. So very uh, mixed bag there, uh, mostly for Notre Dame uh, taking the tough losses. Obviously, we know what's up with Tech. Um, Pitt was down at Texas A&M, so they played a couple of games uh, there. They handled the mid-majors. Louisville, interestingly, played Villanova, a a team we saw last week, uh, beat them 10 to seven on Friday and three to two in extras today. Uh, So again, more of the uh, middle of the ACC differentiation starting to get some common data points. Uh, UNC uh, beat Florida Atlantic two to one uh, team Louisville beat twice last weekend. So again, more data points uh, in terms of other matchups of interest of actually like ranked matchups, North Carolina also fell to a ranked Missouri team, Florida state beat a top 10 Texas team. Uh, wow. There's a lot more results on here than I was bargaining for when I started this bit, but uh, number eight, round it up. Come on. I was going to say number eight, Virginia tech, notably uh, lost to uh, Alabama, one nothing. Uh, Duke also played Villanova, so more data points there. Uh, Clemson with the uh, upset or the slight victory uh, over Tennessee. They're very similar in the rankings. And I'm going to drop this bit after this because I can't do Saturday and Sunday. There's just too much going on. Uh, point is, uh, I, this is more than I bargained for. Um, softball is in full swing. ACC is seeing some decent to good results and. Uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's uh, if there's anything that's like kind of a warning sign, it's, it's Notre Dame's relative inconsistency, I guess, uh, as well as uh, Clemson uh, getting upset by, by Northwestern. But then again, Northwestern just beat UCLA today. So who really knows? It's still so early. It's still so early. It's the second weekend of the sport. Uh, we got a long way to go until we start talking about Oklahoma city uh, and all that fun stuff. But Obviously, I think we can talk about Omaha for Georgia Tech baseball as they've gone 3-0 and on the weekend. Before I get into my little rant, what are your thoughts on this weekend, how it went, uh, what, what you saw that you liked? Yeah, um, in terms of the raw numbers, the raw results at the highest level, a sweep is a good way to start the season. We can dive into, hmm, Took us a long time to catch that lead uh, in, uh, you know, in the Sunday game. And, you know, scary ninth inning cardiac jackets, almost a horrifying, heartbreaking loss uh, on Friday. But at the end of the day, a a 3-0 weekend is a 3-0 weekend. Uh, And uh, I I do think that we found out a little bit about the team. And and keep in mind, Wright State uh, was immensely effective uh, at scoring runs last year. And they returned a lot of a lot of that offense as well. So uh, in terms of mid-majors, 
really a great one to challenge a young or a young or unproven or uncertain staff early. Uh, and I think we we definitely learned. Uh, we saw uh, some some good performances, some uh, performances with good in them, uh, and and I think you know uh, it should be a little more clear uh, moving from here. And and I think that applies to the lineup as well. But really, we focused a lot on pitching last week in terms of all the content we made. Uh, and I think it, it's it's only understandable that since that is you know such a a question in the past that it, that it remains a question today. Yeah, and let's get into that a little bit. My feeling after watching the Friday and the Saturday games in person was that the starting pitching was fine. Like, it was okay. I I think you made a really good point when you said that there were performances that had good in them because neither the Friday or the Saturday start was particularly fantastic. Uh, But – you could see that Chance Huff has had an opportunity to figure some of his kinks out from last year. Uh, and he put together a nice couple of innings before things sort of got lost around, lost in the middle innings. Zach Maxwell had a really rough first inning, but he calmed down and was really good the rest of the way. Uh, Sunday, I think, was a little bit of an outlier in a couple of ways. You have a freshman making his first ever start. Um, he too was doing really well until he, he just sort of got dealt a bad hand. And I want to pull that up really quick. He, he just had a really rough third inning, uh, but he was rolling the first couple, couple innings, um, and just got really unlucky, uh, on, on a couple of hits. So obviously, you know, there's some work to be done, uh, but I think what you said, like uh, to finish up what you said about performances having good in them, especially at a position that we knew was going to be critical coming into this season. I think that's the takeaway really. Yeah. Um, and, and I think especially on Friday, like the, that's like that, that whole, I guess, outing for Huff kind of swung on, on one swing, you know, it, it was a three run home run. That's, you know, one of the more efficient ways to, to get some runs in baseball. I, I don't think that that's necessarily a, a huge warning sign, right? You know, like the, it, it's home run. It happens sometimes. It's not like he was struggling a ton with command or, or yielding a ton of walks or, or anything like that. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it, it was opening weekend. And I think that's, it, it's a bit silly of a, of an analysis to keep coming back to that, but, um, you know, it, we, we learned enough to know that there are aspects, I think, of all three. Well, I guess Finitieri wasn't around last year, but particularly Huff and Maxwell, that we can say pretty definitively that they've come uh, and made some strides since since the last time we saw them. Yeah. The and, and obviously some of these things are going to take some more time to crystallize. Right. I, I, we said the exact same thing with softball. It, it's still only three games. It's only 10 at bats. It's, uh, it's at X, Y, Z. Right. Um, yep. So we just need more data before we make firmer, firmer conclusions. But I do want to, not to dampen the mood per se, but I do want to harp on that right state ninth inning from Friday because that was not a particularly good outing for a tech bullpen that we knew, again, was going to be a turning point or it was going to be a focal point for this, for this team this year. And that's really interesting that you bring that up because – I don't think of all the pitchers we saw in particular, I want to highlight that, that Dawson and Luke, uh, Bartnicki, uh, as you know, 
traditional closer uh, as, as the second and third pitchers there were brought into extremely suboptimal situations and not given a lot of like leeway there. Um, I, I think Doss, let me, let me pull up the, the exact pitch. Uh, I have pitch it. Here. I have it. Dawson Brown got one out. He only faced two batters. Uh, Luke Bartnick, he also got one out. He allowed one run. He had one walk, one wild pitch, uh, but only had two batters faced. But, and exactly that's my point, right? You bring them into suboptimal innings. They're pitching with, you know, a lot of constraints around. And, and Dawson threw, what was it? I think of his nine pitches, eight of them were strikes. Like, uh, Give me one second to pull that up. I have it somewhere. somewhere. I don't know if they're looking at matchups there per se or or just not wanting to i don't see it actually. a lot of risks but it kind of kind of worked out as the the worst case scenario anyways so i think it's a little bit much to uh to have been the quick hook there and i mean maybe you're trying to save guys for later in the weekend for another appearance but i think I the counterpoint there or, or counterpoint's not the right word but but the another point there is that danny was pretty public about saying you're going to see a lot of pitchers this weekend. He was very public about saying, okay, we're going to rotate pitchers in. We're going to give guys some time. Um, obviously he wasn't able to give guys time in stress less innings. A lot of the time, especially in that ninth inning, but yep. you saw a bevy of pitchers at least come in and attempt, uh, attempt to salvage that. And then, I mean, it ended up working out. Right. Um, so we can't harp on it too much per se, but it, there's something to be said for a quick hook in those situations, especially with, with Brown. I think we saw a couple of social media comments and a, and a couple of other, uh, a couple of other points of criticism with pulling Brown that early. And even I, I think I would have liked to see him stay in for at least another batter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's all. Do you have anything else on this or? Eh, um, I, again, would like to like, like that. I would have liked to see him in there a little longer. I do want to talk about non pitchers though. If, uh, if that's allowed. Pitchers only, only pitching talk here. Okay. Go, go, go for it. This is very clearly one of the most dangerous offenses in the nation. I think that's pretty abundantly clear. They're a liability to score, but they're liable to score at any time, uh, whether that's, those are very, two very different words, liability and liable. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, whether that's drawing walks, uh, un- unleashing some of the newfound speed on the base pads, um, or, or hitting, you know, the, the classic, you know, lace a single, lace a double, hit a home run, whatever. Um, but I think it is worth noting that uh, it, it's probably, again, we talked about schedule uh, congestion Coming up this week, uh, we have two midweeks and and a three-game series against Gardner-Webb. Uh, Southern, Presbyterian, and three against Gardner-Webb is a uh, imperative time uh, looking that the, the next weekend series is against UGA. But the, this time now, uh, these five games, is imperative for the, the bottom of the lineup, and in particular, Colin Hall and John Anderson to wake up. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of consistency throughout the, the lineup, I think it was uh, – the two of them that uh, were off to the slowest start and, and hopefully they can feast on these five, uh, these five games coming up, kind of see the ball. And, and you know, that, that Southern to Presbyterian turnaround. I mean, that's like a four hour drive down to Southern on a bus. 
and then you gotta you gotta get up, go to class, and then play the next day. To that's a rough one. Um, it's like playing an NBA back to back in two different cities on the West Coast, right? So it's a six p.m. game against Southern too. Like it's not even like uh, we're leaving. They're not gonna get back two. You're not even you're gonna not get back, back until, until two or three a.m. Yeah. Unless you get up night and then just drive back first thing in the morning and then you're missing, which class. is even worse. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Well, they'll figure it out. They're athletes. <laughs> um, you do have your star of the weekend. I do. I, I given that I, I guess, watched the most baseball this week, <laughs> the both of us. Uh, Chandler Simpson, the transfer from UAB, you mentioned him as, as a really big threat on the base bats, and I'm inclined to agree. He has brought, I think, a level of aggressiveness on the base paths. And maybe they were tooling around with it, seeing if it would work. But I think he's brought, added that as a tool in the arsenal, right? And a really good tool because he's a threat to steal any time that he's on base. Mm -hmm. um, to the point where if I'm an opposing pitcher, I would, <laughs> you, you got to focus on getting a, a strikeout there. You got to get, you got to either force soft contact or get him to strike out. Because if he, if you walk him, you hit him. If he gets on base, whatever, he's going to steal on you. And if your catcher is not good enough to throw him out at second, you're, you're going to let in some runs really quickly. Um, and I really, really like what he brought both on, from the plate and, and defensively. I think he's a really solid addition, um, really good replacement for, for Luke Waddell uh, at shortstop as well. Yeah, feels kind of like a cheat code. Um, we've alluded to next week's games. Uh, home games are streamed on ACC Network Extra. So plenty of content for those of you unable to make it to Midtown, but uh, plenty of tickets to buy if you are in Midtown. And especially, uh, I think they're selling like a $10 ballpark pass or something for softball and baseball and, and with double headers every day of the weekend, plus baseball games every day of the weekend. You know, a lot of lot of stuff to see going on there. Um, I will bring up one thing though that did make make me upset this weekend at at baseball, softball. I guess wasn't here, and they they don't have this policy. But so um, Mackney's ballpark at Rush Chandler Stadium now has a clear bag policy, which also applies to students now for oh, whatever know. reason. In God's name, they've applied it to students. Historically, like you and I have done homework at the ballpark. We've been on ACC Network and its predecessors on TV being seen doing homework at the ballpark. It's a time-honored tradition for students to bring their backpacks and come straight from class. This is just a massive like barrier to entry for that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, uh, I spent a lot of, lot of hours doing MATLAB in the stands on third baseline. I'll own it. It's tech thing. I mean... Call me a nerd, whatever. I don't care. Um, but uh, we're all nerds listening and producing this podcast. I think you're fine. There, you're among friends. There are a, a, a not insignificant amount of people uh, whom that bar is a pretty fine line, right? And and whether that's having to go back to their apartment or car or dorm uh, to drop their stuff off and then come back, or even between classes, right? Um, you know, if it's a if it's an afternoon game and you, you've got a late lab or, or something like that, dropping in for a for a few innings is pretty big. And it's kind of the opposite problem that we saw uh, to last year's extremely limited supply of tickets. I mean, I know I only wound up going to four or five games just because I could only get out of class and get in line or, or you know. Because it was like a three or four hour affair. And I think to, to get tickets last year, I think, you know, extenuating circumstances, some, some things about that could have been handled better. I think the number of tickets 
maybe could have been a little larger for students, but in general, like maybe you can write that one off as okay. We're well, in a cool. specific situation. Like, what are they yeah. supposed to do? Pack the place? Like we, you know. uh, well, other schools did that for better or for worse, but, but it's just, you're, you're right. It's an, it's the reverse of that situation where you're act. Well, it's a reverse in some ways. And it's also the, the same thing, right? You're adding a barrier to entry for, in that case, it was a justified reason. In this case, it's a completely unjustified reason. It kills, it kills interest because it kills access. And that's how kids get into sport is access, right? So I think it's one of the reasons yeah. why tech lacrosse is, is so popular and that literally it's right in front of you with no walls. I mean, I guess there's a fence, but you know, like a lot of people just- There are nice stands there now. Yeah, the CRC built a bunch of nice concrete stands there. It's all a nice, nice little venue in the corner of uh, uh, in the corner of the sack fields. But my point there is the bar is so low. You got to put the bar mm-hmm. on the floor, otherwise people won't go. Yeah, I, I'm fine with paying ten dollars for tickets, just do like because I'm an adult. But like, you can't. You can have barriers to entry for adults. You can't have barriers to entry for students. You want otherwise, students to come to your games. Otherwise, they won't come back when they're adults. Wow. Yeah, that's the that's the rub. Uh, yeah. Let's move on uh, nope, because I, got I think we. I got one more. Okay, you got one more stinger. Going around the horn just a little bit. Um, Pittsburgh is going to be bad. They had a they had a very bad weekend. Um, North Carolina's offense looks good. Pitching seems to have answered some of their questions. Uh, I'm just trying to pull out some interesting things from other box scores. NC State's vaunted offense. Uh, they were top 10 College World Series last year. Uh, opened the weekend winning against Evansville 24 to 6. They'll be able to score runs. Uh, they will that's be able a football to score. score. Yep. Uh, VMI beat Duke on Friday. Uh, that's ranked Duke, uh, by the way. Uh, so delightful. Uh, Clemson throttled Indiana. Always interesting. Wake Forest uh, at home in their bandbox ballpark with tiny dimensions. Uh, did beat Lafayette 25 to 3. Uh, so interesting there as well. Miami played a similarly tight game with Towson as we did with Wright State. Uh, in terms of Saturday, Pittsburgh did come back and beat Canisius, but I believe they lost Sunday. So, oops. Uh, North Carolina, again, poured on the offense 19-0 over Seton Hall. They'll be able to score a lot too. Um, let's see. Anything else jumping out at me from Saturday? Duke bounced back with a win. Clemson 19 to four, a win there too. So pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, Miami handled Towson in both games that they played. I believe that's a four game series because they concluded that today. Um, One last note, Clemson polished off the sweep. Uh, Duke almost lost the second game to VMI. Uh, North Carolina's closest game of the weekends today. So Watch out for that Sunday starter. That might be key down the line. Uh, but around the ACC, everything else basically shook out as expected. Other than, like I said, Pittsburgh did drop the series uh, to Canisius. Don't really know what's going on there. They let up a lot of runs. So uh, maybe that uh, collapse we saw from them late last year is still ongoing. Or maybe it's the first weekend and it doesn't matter at all. Go figure. Sample sizes be damned. Let's move on to your favorite part of campus, Macaulay Aquatic Center and the Georgia Tech swim team at ACC Championships, which you had the honor and privilege of covering in person. First, before we get to the results, tell us about the experience of 
sitting up in that press box, but actually being there in official capacity for once instead of studying. I mean, I, I, I sit up there for a lot of meets. Um, not that they make you get credentials for, for the other meets. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I study in a lot of places. Okay. That's, that's why I graduated. Um, Get to the point. Anyways, um, very easy. The ACC made the, uh, credentialing experience very, uh, seamless. So very much a shout out to, uh, Andy and the gang over there. Uh, they do a great job running their events. Uh, and as always, when they come to town, um, Great, great product value uh, and uh, and kind of atmosphere that they put on. They've really stepped that up over the years. Kind of noted this uh, a couple of years back with the U.S. Open, uh, but uh, the the TV cameras uh, were were great. Uh, those angles are a lot better than they were five years ago. Um, and then they've stepped up the production value as well. Uh, but great getting to talk to them. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think their idea to to bring the men's and women's swimming and diving championships to the same weekend really added a level of, of depth um, in terms of the atmosphere, uh, having the, the parents for the men and the women, uh, having the athletes for the men and the women, uh, and having the, I guess, support staff, right? You're doubling your, not, not necessarily a one-to-one in doubling, because there are some repeats there. Um, you know, tech kids probably, uh, if, you're, if you're a junkie or uh, a tech varsity swimmer, you're probably going to be there regardless but um but yeah great uh, great for the environment I, I think that was the most fun uh non-ncaa um sorry non-national championship ncaa level meet i i've been to so definitely definitely great to see there uh and andy and his team did an awesome job and we're super welcoming even to non-traditional media such as us um because sometimes that's a bit of a challenge too yeah, uh, let's actually get into the results. I'm glad you had a really good experience, but what we're all here for is the results of the competition. Uh, men did a really good job. You, you have them listed as their best finish in years. They finished fifth, uh, and the women placed 10th. Let's talk about that men's finish real quick. You said it was the second highest finish of the, uh, of the current regime. What did that look like on the stat sheet? Yeah, um, so it's really interesting uh, that that we've kind of arrived at this point because throughout the the years that we've talked about swimming uh, and talked about the ACCs is we've kind of established that there are, and we'll refresh you here, there are some tiers uh, in, in ACC swimming, right? Um, sometimes there's a little jockeying around, but over the last eight to 10 years, NC State uh, has by far dominated uh, ACC swimming on the men's side and the women's side, but in particular, the men's side. Um, Louisville did have a breakthrough year. Um, so that, you know, there are, there are times when people can pop up and, and kind of challenge that, but NC state at the top, uh, Louisville, uh, Virginia tech and Virginia kind of in that next tier, uh, with Louisville being a little bit above them. And then there's just kind of this miasma or this soup of teams that exist under them, Georgia tech, Florida state, uh, UNC, Notre Dame, uh, Pittsburgh and Duke. Uh, all of those teams that those five through 10 teams are all, you know, rankable. Uh, they're all uh, fringy or definite top 25 teams, uh, depending on the day and the opponent. Uh, but, um, but in terms of the men's team, it, we've really seen our team struggle to break through from that, you know, seven, eight, nine position and really establish themselves in, in the top five. And, and yeah, uh, they were in fourth for a, a, a solid chunk, maybe like the first two days, I think, of the meet. Uh, but uh, eventually those, those UVAs and Virginia Techs, they, they, they stratify, right? It's all that depth. Uh, and ACCs are all about depth. 
um, rather than just trying to get top end, uh, top end finishes and score the most points, but it's who's placing what in those C finals and B finals uh, that does, that does really make a difference there getting four or five swimmers in an event um, in the past uh, Florida state um, has really kind of been up there too. Uh, but I think where that makes a difference is in particular tech was able to uh, notch some higher relay finishes than, than we've seen them get in the past, uh, as well as just, again, having better depth. We've talked a lot about what the freshmen have brought to the team and then having Kyle and Christian, uh, Kyle Papudis. Sounds like you're, uh, sounds like what you're saying is pretty fire, Jake. <laughs> yeah, no, Zoom just asked if I was playing music. No, I am not. Um, but uh, Kyle Papudis and, and Christian Ferraro uh, and Kyle Barone being around for another year kind of allowed that to culminate and allowed them to pop through. But uh, it's a matter of, you know, taking that to NCAAs and then uh, being sustainable uh, in terms of longer term. But uh, for this week, they were they were absolutely excellent. So that is that enough context. I feel like I rambled a little bit there. But no, no, no. I think that's that's really good context, especially because we've been talking about this team this men's team is being one of the best in Georgia tech history, right? The, the, just based on the, you've said it, not me yeah. to be fair. No, I, I, I just think I, like, I hear that and I know it's true, but I imagine being one of our listeners or somebody who's not as in tune with the swimming and being like, really our best team ever just finished fifth in the conference. Like what? Okay. But you also, but I think the, the count, the part of that is that you have to adjust to an ACC that is really good at all of the country club sports, but like, you know, but prior to the modern era of the ACC, it's like Georgia Tech was like sweeping the deck of the SEC with swimming for a number of years, right? We've talked about that before, but in the modern era in the ACC, these are some of the best men's teams, men's finishes that we've seen ever. Yeah, between basically every big school with a swim team between Texas and North Carolina State is really, really good. And, you know, you get some California schools in there too, Cal, Cal Stanford. Jeez. I, I'm just saying this men's team, pretty fire, dog. Pretty fire. I'm, I'm kind of concerned. I, I hope all those restaurants on Hal Mill are all right because they're, they're headed that way. But um, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, it, 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 it's a little bit jarring, I'm sure, to, to outsiders seeing, um, you know, fifth. That's like what's up there. But, but NC State's one of the, the best, best run programs, you know, in, in any sport in the NCAA um, in terms of efficiency and success and then uh you know just just really strong programs louisville really invests in their non-rev sports uh, they've got great coaches there uh virginia really invests in their non-rev sports got great coaches there too um but i also don't think it's a coincidence that at a kind of trickle down level you see really good club teams from virginia virginia tech georgia tech uf um Texas, you know all, all these schools that we talk about as having great varsity teams uh you know, you have a great pool and you have great education. I think that's basically what it takes. Uh, and then building a staff around that um, to, to have a really good team. So, Cool. Well, that sort of wraps it up for the men. I, I don't think you talked about diving. Diving will be kind of decided. We'll have more to say on that uh, after zone meets. And that's next weekend, I think. I don't have it on the calendar uh, in front of me, let's switch over to talking about the women's team. Like I said, they finished 10th. What was your take on their performance? What did you see that surprise you, interest you? What do you want to point out? Yeah, I mean, as always, and you, you touched on diving just a little bit. Um, I think we we kind of sell them a little bit short sometimes. Uh, but uh, 
Cameron Hidalgo uh, and uh, the, as the un, not unofficial, but, you know, as one of the definite leaders of that team uh, has really made an indelible impact. So um, if we're talking women, it starts and ends uh, with Hidalgo. And then we have, a, you know, a great, a great team behind her as well there. They've, they've been pretty consistent on the boards uh, through her tenure. And then, uh, on the men's side, Ruben Lechuga definitely meddled a couple times as well there. So don't want to forget that. Uh, but in terms of the women, um, we actually had, uh, Mackenzie Campbell, uh, notch, uh, 2021 invite, uh, level times. So if you're unfamiliar with how the NCAA invite process works, uh, it's basically double tiered. Uh, it's very confusing and kind of silly, but, uh, basically if you get it, we've explained it before. Yeah. If you get an A cut, you're in. If you get a B cut, you might be in. Uh, and they kind of uh, even out all the events to a set number of swimmers. Uh, and uh, anyone who's in that range that gets an invite uh, in an event um, in that B cut range gets to swim all their events uh, with the, the consideration there then being, you know, if, if you get invited, um, you get to swim all your B cut events. So, again, I know that's really, really rushed way to go through that. But point is, uh, Mackenzie Campbell did get uh, invite level uh, times. Uh, so B cuts that were invited uh, last year uh, in the 4IM and 200 fly. So she's got uh, a nice chance of, of swimming one uh, or getting invited in one or both, uh, and then therefore being able to swim the other. Um, outside of that, no other invite level cuts, but we did see um, a number of different swimmers. Uh, by my count, it was seven, uh, including Mackenzie Campbell, uh, notch B cut times or, or better with, with the invite level be cuts. So definitely great to see there. I think their depth's gotten better, but the the rest of the conference has just been tremendous. And, and especially in the relays where, where points are doubled. I think that's where we've seen the tech woman kind of uh, sit comfortably in, you know, in that 10th place and, you know, no, notably ahead of those programs that are behind them. Um, I believe that is Boston College, and I don't want to get the other one wrong. It's Boston College and Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, comfortably ahead of Pittsburgh and and just miles ahead of BC. So um, we talked about the, the soup or the miasma. Uh, Tech finished just narrowly behind Miami um, uh, within shooting distance of Florida State. Uh, and then there's kind of uh, another ledge, a little more straight, uh, stratified uh, in terms of the, the layers with, with women swimming. But, um, you know, in the neighborhood of Miami and FSU. Okay. I, it's, you know, 10th on the, sh on the stat sheet isn't, you know, 10th out of 12 isn't the best, but I think like we've been talking about with other teams, there's signs of progress, right? There's signs yeah. of growth. When we talked about the depth on that women's team the, the last couple of years, and it's still young, right? A lot, a lot of those, a lot of the talent on, on this program is, is still pretty young. So it, it, it can only really go up. Well, and, and that's the thing, too, is with the number of records that they've rewritten this year, there's an argument that maybe not the, the best Georgia Tech women's team ever, but certainly a very, very good one. And it's just tough to do that in a very crowded swimming neighborhood. Um, and, and and again, this is one of those sports where it just takes time to, to, to build stuff. And I mean, you can only hope that as folks who are doing well now graduate, uh, they're backfilled by people who hear that, you know, it's a great program and um and a great place to go to go to school too. So that Turkish pipeline just needs to keep churning out stars and Olympians. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, what's, what's, what's the downfall of recruiting an entire Olympic team to your team? Like certainly there's gotta be something good there, but um, I think before we move on from swimming, uh, we talked a little bit about how the women shake up uh, coming up next at NCAAs 
Can we briefly touch on the men? Because because that's going to be the big one. All right. Give me the quick rundown. Yeah. Um, so we talked about qualifying standards, uh, A, B, and then that invite level. Relays work a little bit differently, um, but uh, they're qualified to the team. So basically, if you get an A cut, you can swim any relay that you have an A or B cut, uh, but you can reorganize your swimmers however you want. However, there is no invite level. So you need to get that cut to get you know invited invited in. So the qualifying standard, uh, the A cut uh, in the 200 and 400 medley relays, uh, we're both met by our team. Uh, so that's great, uh, which brings the 800 free and 200 free relays along with them, but not the 400 free relay. They did not get the standard there. Uh, unsure whether that was done earlier in the year. I couldn't find a direct translation of that. So that means tech has two plus two um, relays uh, and those count double. So very important to get those across. Uh, so those will all be swimming uh, because Kyle Paputis uh, did get an A cut in the 200 breast. Uh, the relays are only invited so long as one individual also makes it. So Kayo then can swim his 200 breast, 200 IM, and 100 breast. Uh, we had another count them one, two, three, four, five swimmers. That is the most in a long time for tech. Also get invite level cuts. Um, three of those in multiple events uh, Merck Kilabus, Berke Saka, uh, and Christian Ferraro. Uh, and then Kyle Barone and, and Batirunlu each got one apiece. Uh, so those will bring hopefully all, all five extra of them. Uh, but uh, those five athletes also had four swims count for B cuts as well. Uh, so that would definitely be Tech's busiest slate of NCAA qualifiers in quite some time. And if they can translate that well, that might mean topping topping that top uh, 21 finish from last year. And that's uh, that's a pretty good thing. Yeah, I, and I mean, we were talking about that top 21 finish last year as being a little bit of a disappointment based on how good this team is or yeah. how good this team was last year. And it's mostly the same roster, right? And they've, they've kind of re, not really reloaded so much as built on yes. top of it, right? Yeah. So I think this is where you see that sort of a breakout situation at NCAAs where you have this much talent that's going to the – going to the meet is just going to rack up some of those points. So I think that's something to look forward to uh, in yeah. the next couple of weeks as well. Never underestimate uh, the, uh, if those of you who are super online and super into college baseball might've seen Steven Shokes uh, tweet about uh, half of college baseball, waking up to a mediocre continental breakfast and contemplating a six hour bus ride home after their game. Um, well, everyone else in the pool, uh, is going to have to be thinking about stuff like that because tech also has uh, as much of a home field advantage as you can get coming up. So uh, if you're into swimming or uh, you've never watched and, and might want to check it out, this is your best opportunity to, to catch that in Midtown. It's probably the most interesting or compelling meet outside of the Olympics. So definitely check it out. Wish we had Rowdy Gaines on the call. That'd be the only thing that really put the icing on the cake there. We tried to get him for club swimming nationals a couple of years ago, but then... Uh, you know, pandemic and stuff. So, womp, womp. Well, I, I've heard that there's a sport that was mostly unaffected by the pandemic. Uh, it's golf. Men's golf, Georgia Tech of men's golf is currently ranked 17th in the nation. They finished seventh at the Amer Ari Invitational. Did you, uh, did you abbreviate this without telling me what it was going to be? No, no, I kid you not. That, that's what it's called. And we completely invitational last week. So shame on us. Tell me about it. Why don't you? 
the Amera Re-Invitational or what yes. they're doing right now? That's uh, let's let's start uh, with the Amera Re, and then we'll talk about the Shark Tooth. <laughs> it's a Shark Tooth Invitational. Okay, uh, Amera Re. Let's focus. Amera Re. What a great question. You know, golf was played. Stuff happened. Just kidding. Uh, no, they were out on uh, out in Hawaii. Uh, golf travels to some very exotic and fun places, and I'm very jealous. Uh, they've gone. To I gotta simple- check out how much of the of the in, or the athletic department travel budget is just golf. I, I mean, have to find out for myself. Hey, I, I think Claudio and, and Coach Collier were in Jerusalem on recruiting like last week. So you know, the, the okay. budget. Well, we'll file some FOIAs. Love Delta, um, but uh, yeah, no. In, in terms of Ameri, uh, Ross Steelman did finish in the top ten. Uh, Tech posted a. 10 under par 278 to finish in seventh. Uh, that is a pretty solid, um, that's a pretty solid back leg for them. Uh, they were minus 28 overall. So relatively par ish for the course um, in terms of schools that finished in front of them, North Carolina, uh, Oklahoma state, uh, two of two, of, you know, the, the best teams on the planet. Pepperdine is always pretty good. Um, so, so, so right in the thick of things there, obviously Oklahoma state kind of, was able to run away with it because you know they're awesome in golf but um but yeah no in, in terms of everything else uh the last round was pretty good it was pretty much par for the course haha uh with everything else um and uh yeah uh shout out ben smith for competing as an individual and his score didn't count for uh for the team but uh you know he, he was out there and got to go to hawaii so um, but, but everyone else looked fine and, and nothing, nothing too crazy. I mean, it's, it's early and, and they're just getting into the swing of things. Yeah, absolutely. So let's switch gears to the shark tooth invitation. Oh God, these things are just wildly named. Uh, that is at PCB in Florida, uh, hosted by Florida state tech is three under par after one day of competition that started earlier today, Virginia tech and number four UNC are tied for second place at two or there. You did not write this correctly. So tech is first at three under and then VT and UNC are in second tied for uh, at two under. Do I yeah. have this straight? Yeah. And the third place is at one under, I think it might be Duke or something like that. See, you need to give me more to work with on the shot sheet. You need to write. You need to write it like a script. Anyway, uh, fifty-four hole tournament was that three rounds. Uh, this will also be the site of the ACC championships. Uh, so, like we were talking about with swimming a couple months ago, a lot of teams in the mix here just to get used to the course uh, and prepare for that coming up at the end of the year. Yeah, um, in terms of ACC teams that they're seeing, uh, unranked Boston College, uh, number 26, Clemson, number 53, Duke, uh, number 35, Florida State, number 32, Louisville, number four, North Carolina, number 34, NC State, number 15, Notre Dame, number 37, Virginia, number 62, <laughs> Tech, and number 12, Wake Forest. I think un- that's the that's, entire conference. That's 12 ACC teams. That might be everyone who plays golf in the conference. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no pit in Miami. Yeah. Yeah, there's no pit um, in Miami. I think those are the only two ones that are out. Yeah. Um, in terms of the current place, uh, we did note that Tech uh, was minus three overall. Uh, we have Connor Howe uh, sitting in a tie for fifth at minus two. Uh, we have Christo Ram, uh, Lamprecht uh, and Bartley Forrester in a tie for eighth. 
uh, a many way tie for eighth, a six way tie for eighth. That is at minus one. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of kids right in the mix there. Uh, so that is, that is great to see in what is, I guess, a, oh, sorry. It's the water sound invitational at the shark's tooth golf course. My bad. Um, but, uh, yeah. Podcasting is an incredibly, incredible medium. A lot really. of tech kids in the mix at what is essentially the ACC preseason championship. Well, early season championship. It's like a September Heisman. Yeah. Something like that. It'd be cool. They still have two rounds left, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and keep you updated next weekend. Uh, women's tennis is up next on the shot sheet. They dispatched UT Chattanooga. Seven zip. They're ranked 27th in the nation. We talked about their uh, precipitous demise. Demise? The drop in the rankings? Drop in the rankings. Uh, past couple weeks after not doing so hot uh, at ITAs. Do you have any thoughts on, on them playing Nuga? Any, anything that you saw that was interesting? Nah, we need a dub. I'm fine with it. 7-0 it is. They will play Mercer tomorrow. There was a couple articles about that on ramblinrec.com, and then they'll start ACC play at Miami and then at FSU. Quest for 500, then just get to work in the ACC season. That, that's what I got for them. Fantastic. Their counterpart on the men's side were off. They're off until March 4th, so we will move on to their both teams' counterparts in men's basketball who played two games this past week one was a loss versus nc state which we'll talk about uh, and one was a win over Pitt, which weirdly enough ended with josh pastner josh pastner the guy we all know and love saying that jeff capel head coach of pittsburgh men's basketball should be acc coach of the year mr grant what is Pitt's current record uh, both uh, in conference and overall, how do we say in as few words as possible? No bueno. Uh, I believe it's eleven and seventeen overall. Yeah, eleven and seventeen overall, and six and eleven in conference. I would get it if Pitt was like, you know, eleven and six. They're punching above their weight more than usual, but no. <laughs> they're, they're this one's 11. this one's a passerism, like the most passerism to ever passerism. Yeah, and it's going to give me an aneurysm. Good one. Good one. Well, let's talk about the loss that nearly gave me one, NC State. You checked in for the first half of this one, and all you said was four words on our shot sheet. This one was bad. It was bad. The final score looks a lot less bad than it was uh, because what did they do? They won the second half. Unfortunately, that does not count for half of a win. Um yeah, Tech got into a very large, very early hole. Um, they were pretty ineffective on defense, turnovers, you know. It, honestly, honestly, it felt a lot like the Miami women's game today. Um, the Oh, buddy, we'll get there. The, the we, men, we got some conversations to have there. The, the men obviously had some more, some more scoring. We're in a deeper hole, but, I mean, it was – Rough. There's just not a lot of good stuff you can take away from that. Everyone was cold from the field. I don't know if it's, you know, midterm week in a lot of their classes or something, but, you know, the, it, it, it was tough. Uh, and uh, how do you say? It's getting late 
in the season. Tech is now, I believe, 11 and 15, right? Uh, at least in terms of games that count towards uh, D1 competition and whatnot. And there's five games left in, in the conference stand in the conference schedule. Um, Syracuse on the road tomorrow at Oof. seven. Uh, Virginia Tech at home Wednesday at 9 p.m. Uh, Notre Dame on the road on Saturday. Clemson on the road uh, March 2nd. Oof. And Oof. we close with Boston College noon on Saturday. Uh, noon kick. Yeah. So there, there's some winnable games left there, though. But uh, in terms of. Like you might say, the sun, like in Atlanta currently, is getting real low. In In terms of. What tech needs, uh, I believe, I believe they can, if they were to win out, finish nine and 11, uh, that could put them in the mix to maybe not play day one, uh, but that would require some things really breaking their way. Um, Virginia Tech and Syracuse both sit above them currently in the standings uh, and would need to win no more than one more game a piece. So, uh, you know, we're probably going to be playing day one uh, as much as that is no bueno. Uh, probably needing to look at, uh, you know, going undefeated through the ACC tournament in order to do anything uh, NCAA tournament wise. But, uh, hey, you never know if Tech gets hot uh, and wins all five games and then wins a game or two in, in the ACC tournament. You're talking about a pretty good NIT seed there uh, and, and reeling it out of the hole. That's comically unlikely but it's still it's still in play everything it's is mentionable it's mentionable until you lose in the ACC tournament everything is still in play well said well said i don't have that much to add so we're going to ship off over to the other side of mccamish pavilion where we have the number 16 team in the nation georgia tech women's basketball that has had suffice to say just an awful two-week stretch, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, they really should be on a five-game losing streak, if we're being quite honest. It's pretty close to one, to be fair. And and, and you can – Notre Dame's a great team, uh, or at least a very solid top 25 team. Um, 12 – Literally. 13 things, 14 things that you can point to individually and go, man, if that – if Tech had – you know, closed out that jump shot or not let the ball get taken from them right on the inbounds twice. If they simply scored more points in the game, they would have won. A free throw more. They, they would have won, right? And, and that's basketball. That's why you play the games. That's that's why Notre Dame got the win, right? They they did they had to do everything, but they did what it took to win. Um in, in terms of the other game, um tech has always matched up pretty poorly against Miami. Um it's it's been a thing in, in other solid tech teams in the past, so I'm not going to act like this came out of nowhere. Uh, Miami plays bruising defense, um, you know, that it's it's aggressive and doesn't always lead to to fouls or, you know, ways that tech can, I guess, just shoot their way out of it or anything like that. But um, they, they they need to to right the ship here before the ACC tournament. And, and uh, I think it's pretty comfortable to say that hosting in the NCAA tournament is now out of the picture. Yeah, it's they're going to drop pretty precipitously in the next poll because that this is their fifth poor performance in a row. 
I think it's not super, super challenging, super complicated, super irrational to say that at all. I, I just, I don't really understand what's wrong. I don't know enough about basketball strategy to tell you what's wrong. I think Nell commented, Nell herself commented on this in the last postgame presser uh, after, after Notre Dame and was like, we're just not playing defense well. We're not shooting the ball well. We're, we're not living up to the same standard that we were uh, at the, at the, you know, the rest of the season. So it's rough to watch. It's especially because you know how good they can be, right? And, and the hinge point really seems to be that NC State game to where you're kind of wondering, is everyone just watching the tape of that game? Like, is there something buried and how NC State defended this team that's just sort of a linchpin in, in, in just neutralizing every advantage it has. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I don't – I just don't know. Like, I, I feel like we saw this happen late in last year too, though. Granted, they didn't quite soar as high, but – I mean, And they the, also the, didn't go as low. You know. I, I would argue that this is lower than losing to Boston College last year. We they lost, were ripping off losses to Boston College and UNC last year. I was going to say, we lost to a pretty horrible Boston College team by a but, lot. But, but at the same time, it's case, two. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, but but it's like there's fixture congestion last year, and that was just a two-game, two or three-game slid, right? It, it, because they dropped the game versus UNC, and then they dropped the game versus Boston College, which were both very stinky. This is the yeah. fifth stinky game that they've played in a row. We won one of them. You know, they got one win. Just go out, take care of business. That's what they got to do. And again, it's, um, I think it's also worth noting uh, the the women's basketball overall conference standings. We talked about needing the Notre Dame game in particular. Tech now finds themselves looking up at uh, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Louisville, and NC State. Um Virginia Tech has 12 wins, as does Notre Dame in conference. Tech has 10. The worst or the best they can do is tie those numbers. So um, Tech's going to be uh, fighting for that. Uh, I guess, you know, they're probably going to get a bye. They're going to get at least one bye, but they, they did not get the double bye. And that is the easiest way to set yourself up for a, a tournament title is, is to play less games. So. Yeah, I, I think I was saying this on Twitter the other day after the NC, or the ND loss, and I was like, "This is frustrating. It's salvageable, but it's incredibly frustrating." I, yeah. I think that's something that both of us can agree on, and and that's kind of the vibe that we had coming out of the arena today, which is where I mean they they lost to not a, such a great Miami team by twelve points. Miami and really did not look no, no. functional no. at any point during the game. I think Miami might be ranked in the next uh, in the next poll. They're sixteen and ten with, <laughs> with two wins over Georgia Tech. <laughs> Oof. Um, they are not. They are a okay. Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but it's not the same caliber of opponent as like losing to a Notre Dame or losing to a NC State by yeah. these kinds of margins. Agreed. Yeah, the margin was what made it bad. Tech was pretty ineffective from field goal uh, from three-point range, sorry, from they couldn't get things started deep in. Um, There's some foul trouble, obviously, as well. Uh, The short bench kind of came out, but, you know, it it just seemed like whatever shakeups were happening, just nothing really was working. So it's my only – It's tough. 
Yeah, my only thought, and, and this kind of doubles back to the NC State NC State tape idea, but my only thought on that end is the way that they play basketball is grueling. It's highly physical. It's highly hustle dependent, right? And at a certain time, like a certain point, you keep running that style and you run players into the ground. And especially when you have a short bench, you're running players into the ground even more. And it's not necessarily a you know, maybe maybe running players on the ground is an aggressive way of putting it, but it's just fatigue. Like, it's been a long season. They played a ton of games. Um, and you play that many games at that level of intensity and at that level of hustle, it's just going to it's gonna wear on you at some point, right? And, and maybe this is the – it's the same thing that we saw last year too. Yeah. I'm not going to harp too much on them, though. They're, they're one of Tech's most, I guess, successful, most uh, fun to watch, most personable teams – it's not fair to them to to say, hey, how how dare you or anything like that. They're 19 and 8. No, it's not. It's not at all. And they, I don't want to come off as that either. But it is, like, I think both of us are saying, like, it's frustrating to just be in this position, especially knowing where they could go, right? Yep. Uh, I'm very interested to see what uh, North Carolina's upcoming, the rest of their conference schedule look like looks like. Because we'd have uh, a tiebreaker over them. Yeah, they've got Virginia and Duke. Uh, so Duke seven and nine in conference. Virginia two and fifteen. Uh, so I think that one's locked in. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, Duke's gonna need us to help us out. Uh, that would look like Tech sets up then for a rematch with Notre Dame, provided they win their first game. If everything stays the same, uh, stays the same from here. So. Yeah, the, important to mention this is also senior day. It's it's the last time that a lot of us will see Lorella Kabai uh, play on campus. Lodomai Lottinen, I think, is also part of the festivities today. Sarah Bates was part of the festivities today. So, um, yeah, uh, next year is going to be interesting, and we can but we can kind of talk about next year's roster <laughs> next year. Yeah, um, this team has a lot of basketball left to play. Yeah, there's only two regular season games left but they're guaranteed at least one more after that. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, they're looking uh, like uh, like a tournament team. So, you know, hope, hopefully at least four more games, but hopefully more, a lot more than that too. So, Yeah. They, the last projection that I saw had them as a six seed. Um, so I think they'll be just fine getting into the tournament with an at-large bid. That about wraps up our very, very long uh, I think, I guess this is the last episode, second last episode of February. We did a lot of audio in the last eight calendar days, didn't we? Yep. Why don't you plug one of the bits that we did earlier this week that people can yeah. find in the feed? Yeah. So go ahead first and check out our, uh, our episode that we did with Clayton Truder, um, little, uh, loser bill, his new newly released book. Sorry. I've been talking about it as if it's coming out still for, for so long, but um, yeah, uh, his, uh, his loserville book. Uh, there is a promo code uh, to uh, get 40% off by using a particular link straight to the Nebraska press.unl.edu website. Uh, University of Nebraska press is the publisher. So if you buy through them uh, and use the code, 6AF21, that'll get you 40% off. Um, again, uh, we like to say no free ads on this podcast, but we also don't have any paid ads. So the 
things that we say and promote and plug, uh, whether that's Georgia Tech women's volleyball or Loserville or Cypress uh, Street Pint and Plate. Uh, we do that all because we love them and believe in uh, in what they're doing. And uh, yeah, I guess that does make it free advertising. But uh, Clayton's a great friend of the podcast and other sites. So uh, go check out his book. Uh, use that code. Uh, it makes it cheaper for you. Uh, and uh, I see no issues with that. Yeah, we'll put that code in the show notes along with a link like we did with the episode. But yeah, you'll find that episode uh, in your podcast feed from last Wednesday. Mr. Grant, this has been an awesome time talking through tech sports with you again. Do you have any other final notes? Nope. Uh, again, it, it can be real easy to let something like a, a Central Arkansas loss or a tough you know, pitching outing against Wright State or, you know, even even losing women's basketball or men's basketball games get to you. But you got to look for the positive stuff and, and you know, an, an opening day sweep, uh, a win over Mississippi State and a pitching gem and, uh, you know, having a lot of a lot of basketball left to play uh, for the women. And quite frankly, for the men, they're playing at least six more games. Um, so a lot of a lot of sports left and, and a lot to look forward to still. So good. Good to see that. And uh if you're uh, on campus for the NCAA's uh, swimming, say come say come say hello. So cool. Uh, we will see you all next week. Oh, that's cool.